Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tales from the Tavern. Oh, apparently we have a hype train. Thank you, Star, for uh, for that. <laughs> um, that's a nice way to start off the new year. Welcome, uh, everyone. Uh, we are back. Happy 2024. I feel like I'm very out of practice because, you know, I haven't done this since October. Um, the last time I ran a stream, I was in a different house in a different part of town. Um, gearing up to go to PAX Unplugged, and now I have moved and done this panel twice now at PAX's instead of just once. And um, yeah, so we're gonna dive in. Um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go around, have everybody tell us a little about who they are and what they're doing, and where we can find you on social media and all that good stuff. And then we will uh, talk about TTRPG stuff. Um, so get your questions ready, but. Uh, we're gonna start with the newcomer to to the to the the channel. Al, welcome. Um, tell us a little about who you are and and <laughs> what you're up to. Bees literally just finished eating. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, I'm Al Spader. I'm a, I'm a freelance uh, RPG writer. Um, uh, my my biggest work has been on Star Trek Adventures, the role playing game, uh, written for the last five or six books um, that have come out. Uh, I also recently released a role-playing game called Sentience about sentient robots who are trying to create a society before humanity returns to their planet. So, um, yeah, so I love to design. I love to play. I'm a forever GM and I love being a forever GM. Nice. Well, welcome. I'm excited to have you and um, get to have everybody uh, get to know you a little bit. Awesome. Big bees. <laughs> Hello. Hello. There are no bees. There is only Zul. <laughs> <laughs> but what is up, everyone? I am Big Bees, your happy, helpful harbinger of I. Ah, it's the first time I've done that this year. Woo! Woo! Um, I am a uh, variety streamer, speedrunner, pixel artist, TTRPG game designer, voice actor, uh, a whole bunch of other things. I do a lot of things. Do do I do them well? I do them. So, um, and just random general loud guy on the internet. Well, welcome. I am. Uh, I'm very happy to have you, and uh, I'm excited that um, I'm excited that we were able to get you on. <laughs> I'm excited. I get to be in two different blocks at the same time. Woo! I, know. I was like just looking at everybody's cameras. I'm like, what the heck happened? <laughs> um, so while I am fixing Star, Ty, tell us about yourself. Oh, uh, so I am known in certain places as Dungeon Mr. Ty, but primarily I am the founder of Adventure Slang Productions, and we are in the revision and layout phase of our first game, our D4, a Fortune's D4 system-driven New Varden RPG, which should be out this quarter or next. And from there, a whole bunch of other stuff coming down the line, but all of that, if you're curious about it, can be found at adventuresling.com. We also have a podcast that we uh, drop with my uh, partner in crime, my daughter, Erin dippity Do, um, where we talk to other folks in the industry um, across the spectrum of the industry about all the things that they are doing. So we do about one a month is all on, on that because we are primarily game designers and there is stuff to do all the time. Uh, you also see me playing um, live streams here and there. Uh, 
various channels, um, Guild Superior, and probably most prominently over there, uh, occasionally a Time Lord's Wife and um, R&R Productions, just wherever they'll have me. That's what I do. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to uh, to have you back again. It's been a while since uh, since we've gotten to chat, so I'm excited. Yes. Thanks for having me. Star Shinobi, how are you? Oh, good. I am great. Um, I'm Star Shinobi. Uh, I am a D&D supplement writer. I am a charity DM, and I am a cast member on the Waffles, Maple Syrup, Outcast, and Outclass Pathfinder 2E campaign. Um, if you like emotional damage and chaos, there that's where you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> emotional damage. Emotional damage. That's all I can think of. <laughs> awesome well star i'm uh i'm happy to have you here and um and thank you for uh for coming on at uh sort of sort of the last minute <laughs> you and b's both jumping in uh pretty last minute rosie welcome back thank you glad to be back um hi i'm rosie sweet rosie b just about everywhere on the internet i am a ttrpg performer game runner showrunner producer OC artist. I wear so many hats and I love all of them. Um, you can now find me on the freshly launched SweetRosieB.com. When I say fresh, I mean literally yesterday. <laughs> um, I have open commissions for OC art that is brand new to the site and I'm really excited about that endeavor. I'm happy to be here as always. Awesome. Well, thank you for uh, for coming on. I'm excited to have you. So, um, I am Gamer Mom Luna. This is Tales from the Tavern. If you're joining us for the first time, let me tell you a little about uh, about the way that this stream works. So basically, everything that we talk about comes from questions from chat. So please feel free to drop any questions that you have for our panel in the chat. And, uh, and we will try to answer them as best as we can, but we will probably get off topic. And um, mm -hmm. that's, yeah. It, people who have been here before are like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yep. Um, <laughs> If you've been around for a little while, you know that uh, you can rack up some channel points. And um, let's see, I've got I've got a couple of channel point redemptions. Most notably, I have one where you can give my cats treats. Um, I will tell you that ever since we moved, Molly does not come down and hang out at, at my desk anymore. It's very sad. So she just doesn't like it down in in our office. So um, Daisy may show up. Um, but we'll 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 do what we can. Um, Bees has also demonstrated that uh, there is a reminder for me to hydrate, so um, you can you can do that. Also, <laughs> why do I do this to myself? Um, also, uh, if you have a thousand channel points racked up, you can um, drop your question in using the ask my question next, and that will bump your question up to the next one in the queue. So if we have a lot. Um, of questions that are out there and you want to make sure that we get to yours you can use that um so that's in there also a couple other <laughs> announcements real quick uh one is that we are streaming for charity right now so uh we are raising money for doctors without borders we're a part of a very large you can see it down in the corner um it's it's uh, cycling through the ads and it was uh, at the beginning of the stream we are one of a very large number of TTRPG people around the community that are helping to raise money for Doctors Without Borders for um, for, for now. I'm not sure how long exactly we're doing it for, but uh, in the first seven days of July, we've already raised over $3,000, so that's exciting. Um, 
And uh, yeah, we'd love to love to keep bumping that up more. So uh, there is a, a link to donate down below in the about section. Um, you can look for the look for the little um, banner about it. You can also use exclamation point uh, donate, and that will bring up the link for it as well. Um, it's through Tiltify. There are a ton of really cool rewards. Um, I know there's one for um, like a GM uh license for shard for a year there's a player version for shard for a year there's guest spots on various streams and podcasts there's supplements there's a ton of really cool stuff so um definitely recommend checking that out if you are interested um and i think the donation incentives start as low as like ten dollars so um you know you don't have to donate a lot every little bit helps um I think that's it. Oh, one other announcement that I'm just going to make now so that people can be thinking about it. Uh, if you didn't see on social media, there is currently a casting call out because I'm joining a new podcast. It's very exciting. We're going to be playing Monster of the Week, and it is going to be a sci-fi horror-ish story. Uh, it's it's going to be fun. Uh, I know I'm involved. Uh, Atomic Zero is involved and uh, Wolf's Blood who's hanging out in chat is also going to be involved, but we are currently casting for a couple more seats. So if you're interested, feel free to reach out to me and I will get you the link. Um, or if you're in my discord, it is linked in the announcements channel. Um, if you are interested in, in checking that out, most <laughs> what I'm involved. Okay. So, um, we have a lovely bot. We'll get, we'll get on, let me finish writing this down. I need to figure out how to get famous. Yeah. Oh yeah. Lord knows I've been trying to do it for years. No, it's it's this it's, is vital information. Yeah. That's all right. God, Luna, you just don't want me to be famous. That's what it is. That's true. You, you never That's want true. me to succeed. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're going to dive right in um, with my favorite question to start the conversation on, because as we were talking about before we got going, um, I really like dice. I'm a big fan of dice. Um, and, uh, and I just saw the picture that's in the stupid group chat yep. for these. I yep. can't even with you people anymore. I just can't even. Um, you didn't notice right. me cackling a little bit ago? I, I was trying not to look. <laughs> I turned off my microphone because I was cackling. Uh, I was trying really hard not to look. So anyway. Um, all right. So we're going to start with my favorite question, which is when you were playing at an actual table with physical dice, do your dice have to match? Feel free to just jump right in. Do the dice I play with have to match? Yes. Do the dice I buy have to match? No. <laughs> but I have way too many sets of dice, and so I need to make the match that so makes sure everybody gets love. <laughs> so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no, just because I have been collecting dice for 30 years, and like every pouch, and every single pocket of everything I have has dice in it. So like when we're sitting down to play, I just reach in and whatever's there is what we use. So, you know. They don't necessarily have to match aesthetically, but they have to match the character. Okay. In my, so I have my druid dice and these just happen to match. They're green, they're lovely, they're floral. But I also have my ranger dice, which are a huge mix. They don't match aesthetically, oh my but goodness. they match the character. Yeah, I, 
I don't have my dice don't have to match, but I handpick the ones I'm going to use for the for the character, and then I also have all the ones I'm going to replace them with because they don't do what I want them to do anyway. <laughs> Got the Just, B squad I, I, at the ready. Mine <laughs> yeah. definitely the C squad to too. Mine, mine have to match like. They have to. It's just yeah, the way. Of that's the how I. That's how I always go in. I'm like, you know what? I got. I'm. I'm playing this character. I look through all my dice, and I'm like, all right, this color set. Boom. And then five minutes in, I start rolling ones, and I'm like, fuck all these dice. Let's find <laughs> out which ones are not going to get my character killed this session, and that's what I'm sticking with. Maybe I should send oh, you a timeout chair for dice. Yeah. Please. And <laughs> because I can't find the ones that don't roll that badly. No, seriously, I, I had a character. Who's, he was a, a tiefling fighter. His name was Rage Unfulfilled. And for 12 levels over two and a half years, he fulfilled that name until it mattered. But it was the most frustrating. I always, I'm one of those people that have the superstition of I roll my dice before I start, specifically the D20s of like four or five sets. And whichever ones roll the best, those are the ones I play with for the night. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Absolutely, but so I have to do that because I don't want to roll out all my twenties well, and that's get all that luck out. It's people who collect dice. Like I swear, we're as superstitious as athletes. It's wild. <laughs> so, so Star and Luna, if your dice have to match, does it drive you crazy that D and D five E has you know advantage and disadvantage? We have to roll two D twenty, but when you buy a set of dice, it doesn't come with two D twenty. I just roll the same D twenty twice. <laughs> uh, I have two sets that look nice together. Oh, okay. Complimentary. <laughs> so I have the clear one with purple sparkles and the blue one with white sparkles that oh, will go together. It's perfect. <laughs> that's one way to do it. Yeah, I um, I just roll the same d20 twice because I... Well, that and I only ever have one set out at a time. Like, But I do have... Um, several I, I do have one set that i do have two d20s but it was a uh handmade set by um emily who is as was foretold on social media so that one actually does have matching d20s they're very they're very pretty mm. they're the only sharp edge dice i own and i love them um yeah if you haven't if you haven't seen emily emily does amazing art and also makes dice and was at PAX Unplugged, so. <laughs> I have a question for Al. Al, you're a forever GM. I'm a forever GM. Um, do you do your 20s on a D20 system roll better for you as a as a GM than they do as a player? Do you have that? Uh, no. Uh, that, that's part of the reason why I left 5th edition and went to the 2D20 system, because rolling ones is, is, is a crit in 2D20. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's, been, um, it's been a bad life rolling dice for me. <laughs> so tell us about this 2d20 system because you've mentioned it a couple times now well mentioned it a couple times to us i think this is the first time on camera <laughs> well it's i mean it's the system for star trek adventures also the dune role-playing game conan the barbarian you know it's there's a lot of different games that use it but basically you're you're combining two stats together to set a number mm -hmm. on the die and if you roll that number or below it's considered a success so it's like a pool system you start with 2d20 um, if it's difficulty one, you need to get one success. Um, you can buy up to five D20. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's, a, it's really a, a sweet system because there's a meta currency that's called momentum that allows you to buy dice. And if you get more successes than the difficulty, you generate momentum and 
Yeah, and and it's just so nice to be able to see a one and cheer. <laughs> here, here. Be like, yay! I'm not gonna die right now. <laughs> yeah, in fact, um, Star Trek uh, Adventures does uh, colored dice for each of their divisions to match. Ooh. You know the color of the shirts that you'd be wearing. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so the real question then is, do the red ones always roll ones? <laughs> uh, so the red ones typically <laughs> roll twenties. Uh, um, that's bad in this game. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, uh, but it's uh, it's a. I would say, if I was playing like a science officer in Star Trek, I would use blue dice the whole time through, um, just you know try to stick with the uniform uh, bit. Yeah, it's a cool system. Fun. They can also be used as uh, mood dice, and that way, <laughs> if your mood matches the dice you're rolling, then it rolls what you want. Yeah. But if you got a blue dice and you're pissed off, it messes everything up. Oh, <laughs> okay. I get it. I get it. Um, Jason said in chat, too, if you're playing PBTA, Powered by the Apocalypse Games, uh, do all your D6s have to match? I said yes. <laughs> if you don't think I have a set of Eldritch Horror D6s, you are sadly mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen them, so uh, a picture didn't happen. <laughs> I will send it later. It's over there. They're just, uh, I only brought like six of my dice up here, so. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I won't mention how many are within arm's reach right now, but most of them are behind me, which is why I keep turning around and looking, so. They're speaking to you. They are. They're like, show me next. <laughs> I just have my sack here, yeah. which, fun fact, I didn't buy this. It was bought for me because of Tales of the Tavern. <laughs> there you go. Because there was a question that says, oh, how do you organize your dice? And I was like, I just have a shit ton all over the place because <laughs> I am a heathen. And Adam LeGrave, who is the uh, DM for TRT, um, the Roaring Trainers, Pokemon in the Jazz Age. Y'all should check it out. It's amazing. Oh, my God. Um, I haven't talked to Adam He was so horrified to see how I kept my dice. He was like, for the love of God, take this bag and get some kind of dignity. And I was like, ah, ha, ha, okay. I actually just started uh, a new storage for my dice. Um, I actually bought a nail polish rack for my wall and little hundred milliliter milk bottles to put each set into. Nice. <laughs> That's right. I use a spice rack. I was going to say that's what I'm doing, my, my dice rack idea. You know, <laughs> but they're in um hold on, let me grab one. They are in um clear glass spice jars yep. that I've ordered from um from an online uh spice store. So yeah. I eventually once I get more of them into the into the into the bottles, I will hopefully wall mount a, a dice rack right over there. <laughs> and then organize them in beautiful like rainbow color right From yeah or just, yeah they'll have uh, to be, like, yeah, that will look awesome on the wall yeah then there's me it's like my intention is to put the most trusted on the top and then move down <laughs> from there yeah, a lot of mine are in which don't get me wrong i love them they're in cases like from arcane oh, tentacles yeah. sure. and you know things like that back when they were like first getting started and then i've got the wooden one from their kickstarter years ago and mm -hmm. and um you know which is great i love those and those are great for when i'm taking stuff with me because i don't want to bring a glass jar 
But, yeah. you know, again, the ones that I've been using from Emily are in um, – I just like showing my stuff off. They're in <laughs> – um, they're, they're really they're really well protected. So they're in this, um, a little velvet bag inside a dice case because I earned that for fundraising for Extra Life last year. And then they're all, you know, nicely – there's little, you know, like – foam and stuff in there so yeah they're not going anywhere <laughs> if you get the right dice they'll last forever though it's like true. i have i have my circa 1983 d20 you know it survived yeah it, it's my dm die actually that's why i asked all about that because yeah. it, it rolls killer when i'm in, in the uh, game master chair literally <laughs> Jason has still a bunch of his old dice from when he, uh, you know, first started playing back in, what, the 80s? So. Um, all right. Let's see. So we have another, we have a question from chat. Um, let's see. This one is, do you like your characters to have a catchphrase and how do you come up with them? Oh. I'll jump in real quick because my my current character has one. He's a dwarf barbarian named Furley, and he just says, "I got over it." <laughs> That's it. Whatever happened, then he ends with, "I got over it." And I I don't know how I came up with it other than it just came to me. That's funny. when I was writing his you know his uh, bonds and all that kind of stuff today. And uh, so there. I don't, but I have had a character who um, used a lot of malapropisms, so it wasn't necessarily that she had a catchphrase, but she would, you know, she was the master of, like, um, needing, you, you need to be more specific about things, and um, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him lay down, and, um, you know, things like that, so, so that was fun. <laughs> Yeah, I think it depends on the character, right? Like, you know, not every single person that walks around the block has catchphrase, um, but some of us say some things over and over and over again without even realizing it, yeah. right? So if you play your characters like that, you know, I think that's really important. I also appreciate games that, like, encourage you to use catchphrases. Like, I think the, the They Came From series, um, I believe that you even get rewarded for using your catchphrase and putting it in um, when you are doing stuff. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. In that really, vein of oh, go for it. No, you go. You started. Um, in that vein of it's might end up just being something that your character says over and over and over again. Um, I'm in a Curse of Strahd campaign, and I wouldn't call it a catchphrase, but it has become sort of like a nervous tick for that character just because of all the stressful situations, where she will just constantly say, "Everything's got to be fine because." It has to be. <laughs> and that's just how like she ends every conversation about the most gnarly, stressful, messed up nonsense. It's got to be fine because it has to be. <laughs> and I love that for her, but also she is going through it. <laughs> just get over it. Just get over it. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I haven't really done catchphrases for mine. I don't get to play like PC characters as much these days. I do more DMing, but um, Arafe, my character for Outcast and Outclass, says I'm fine more often than she probably should. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think I've 
ever had a character that has a catchphrase, but I know in a lot of games I have a catchphrase or two. And it's, I'm sorry, and you knew what this was. <laughs> so, and that's mainly when I just go in places and I just blow everything the hell up or I just completely like just drop chaos bombs all over the place. And they're like, why? I was like, you knew what this was. You invited me. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure me as a player with most of the people that I've played with in the past, my catchphrase would be, oh God. <laughs> oh god <laughs> i will say though as a dm i think my catchphrase is con god damn it i'm so proud of you <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> like the anger of you thwarted me but the pride of you outsmarted me god damn it i'm so proud of you <laughs> get a face bomb pay face bomb be a catchphrase <laughs> sure <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm running a uh, an ancient alien theorist in um, uh, Monster of the Week right now. And his thing is that he thinks that, like, every other conspiracy theory is ludicrous. So whenever somebody starts talking about that, he just says, oh, well, that's crazy. But it was alien. <laughs> <laughs> but do you do the whole, like, aliens? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> nice. And of course, we have several GMs or DMs in this group too. So I'm sure we also have the catchphrase of, Are you sure? How close is everyone? And so you touch it. <laughs> <laughs> so you touch it for sure. <laughs> I, I learned one, I learned one from a, a podcast that I was a huge fan of um, Horror Borealis, which was a uh, monster of the week. Um, and it, I, I use it to this day when I'm DMing. And it's every time they're like, hey, that looks explosive. Let's fuck with it. And I go, hey, guys, as a fan of your characters, <laughs> <laughs> let me talk to you real quick. Are you sure? Are you yeah, sure? As a fan of your character, I just, you know. I like that one. You shouldn't hit that. <laughs> I like that one. I like that, yeah. Um, I was just going to say something. Now I can't remember what it was. Oh, well. Oh, well. Um, all right. Uh, anybody else have anything they want to add to that? All right. We just got another question from Wolf's Blood. So his question is, when you're in a party, which is more important? The health and well-being of your party members or... If it looks cool and will maybe make the scene far more interesting, then do it. Now, you mean the like people at the table or the characters? That's yeah, that's a pretty important distinction. <laughs> yeah. Cuz if it's the people at the table, people at the table first 100% always. But if it's the characters, I refer to my other catchphrase, you knew what this was. <laughs> <laughs> so he clarified the characters. <laughs> Okay, then I mean, depending on on who I'm playing, because I there are some where I'm just like, hey, I want to make sure everyone's fine, and then there's some where it's just, hey, Rod! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I for me, it really depends on who I'm playing with, um, and how well I know their characters, um, which probably makes me sound like a terrible one shot person, <laughs> but <laughs> like. When I was playing in a game, a Pathfinder uh, game, 
oh my god, back in 2019 or something like that. Um, I knew the characters really well, so I knew I could get away with stuff that was really cool. Not because it would affect the party, but because I knew my character's mechanics as well as the mechanics of other characters really well. So I knew how we could play off each other. Um, so, like, in this case, um, I know people who have either been on the stream or watched the stream a while have probably heard about this. But, um, you know, she was a halfling uh, rogue ranger fighter. <laughs> and we had a, a seven foot tall barbarian in the party so they figured out some really cool ways to work together like um he would plant his shield in the ground and she would like run and and parkour off it and like jump onto the enemy or something like that so um i would do a lot of that stuff <laughs> but only if i knew the character that i was doing it with actually could do it <laughs> Be like, no, you, look, you go to parkour off another halfling and you face plant them into the ground. Cool. <laughs> As a past DM of uh, Luna in a one shot, I can assure you she is a phenomenal player. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so for this one, I guess I would say 90% of the time, I would say number two. <laughs> However, you as a player... Please pay attention to how often you have to make things cool and really kind of make sure you're not getting into main character syndrome. <laughs> yeah. Because it can be fun and it is always fun to be a chaos goblin. But if you're doing it so much that everyone else kind of feels like they're along for the ride, you've stopped making it fun and you need to focus on one a little more. Alex, <laughs> oh, 100%. Yes. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, chaos group, go for it. <laughs> I'm going to get mathy real quick on this one. Um, if I could have you visualize a grid uh, with two axes. One, um, comfortableness with the people you're playing. Very comfortable, just met. And then on the other axis, reserved character, chaos character. Group that you know well, chaos character. That is very, very fun. Um, that is where you mess with things. That is where you yes and the heck out of situations. But... To the point that everyone else here has made, it does depend on who you're playing with and what sort of character you're playing with. And any dot in that grid will be fun to play if you're invested in yourself and how you're playing and in the group around you. Read the room, read the table, know what will and won't fly, what will and won't be fun for your other players. Because you can very easily, like um, Star said, fall into main character syndrome. Like, mm -hmm. I want to do this because I think it's going to be cool. Make sure everyone else is kind of cool with it too. Like understand hey maybe this character won't be okay if i go do that um the well-being of your fellow players as well as the well-being of what the character's wants desires and motivations are does matter but again those can lead to some of the most fun chaotic ridiculous mess with your dm sort of situations and i would also throw out there rosie um like if it's part of your character's personality or quirks or backstory or something like that, then it makes sense, you know, to go ahead and do the ridiculous thing. Um, if it's outside of what your character would normally do, that kind of like might pull people out of um, the engagement and whatnot. So just try to mm -hmm. stick in, you know, think about your character and, and what they would normally do. And, you know, yeah, if I am collecting, you know, diamonds and I see a diamond, you know, go after it, you know um so that that's what i would encourage like don't jump out of character just to make a scene cool <clears throat> you know what i mean exactly. 
Yeah, I was I was gonna I was gonna say that uh, to piggyback off that a little bit, use that as an opportunity for character growth. You have a very impulsive little goblin of a character, and they go do all this crazy shit. And guess what? Somebody gets hurt. Something bad happens. Use that as an opportunity to grow your character, so that next time they they hesitate, they think about it. Oh, I don't want someone getting hurt this time. Boom! Beautiful moment. A good example of that actually is um, I have a newer a newer character player at the time who has fireball. We all know what happens with Fireball. <laughs> um, now, I will caveat with, she's like, I'm going to cast Fireball. You're near death. You cool with this? And he said, bring it. And he died. So, you know, th there was a check-in with the kit with the players. But after that, she used that for her character to go, oh, I'm going to take a level in Wizard so that I can now learn how to shape my spell. And so now she has, you know, trans... Uh, I can never remember which Wizard is, but she can kind of make sure her fireball misses all of her people and hits mm -hmm. everyone around her. So it's like, it's stuff like that. Chaos crew learns and leans into learning. My uh, only other thought here is I, as a player, I try to have my thing ready when it's my turn. So I'm not him and hawing and dragging it out. And be it's kind of like with fiction, shorter is better. Like get to the point. If you want to do something cool, make it cool and be done. <laughs> and then let somebody else go. And then that way you don't get into that main character mode or set someone else some, someone else up to do the cool thing if it's more in line with their character if you yeah. notice something maybe be like hey go look over there <laughs> or like <laughs> work collaboratively this is all ttrpgs or most of them when they're not solo ttrpgs are collaborative storytelling work together make it even cooler find ways to make combinations play off of each other and gms let the characters do it yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> like let it cool. happen I've yeah. just, I've so many times have I been like a, yes, it, yes, that that's there. It works great. Go. <laughs> and also part of character growth. And I was thinking about this um, a minute ago, the GM can really help guide the character development as well by allowing whatever, whatever happens is a good lesson for what might happen uh, in, the, you know, in that scenario too. The stories are bubbling up into my mind. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, the the two the Star Trek Adventures has a cool system called uh, values, and every character has four values. Um, and if you are in a scenario and one of those values would come into play, and you decide to like follow that value, you actually get rewarded, right? Um, so that can lead you into situations where maybe something like I can't leave anyone behind, so I'm running into the board cube to go save my fallen comrade, you know. Um, so you're playing to that value and you actually get bonuses in the game when you do that. Um, and it, it actually, uh, the game also rewards you if you want to challenge a value. So when we're talking about character change, it says, you know, uh, well, maybe I don't, maybe my character's not feeling that anymore. Like maybe, maybe in, and you know, when you challenge a value, you get a bonus as well. So it's really cool um, to see systems. And a lot of systems are doing this now that words on a page carry mechanics instead of just the numbers. Um, and, and I love seeing a lot of systems moving to that for that reason. All right. Um, let's see. The next question that we have is from Bat Duck. And Bat Duck would like to know, what is your favorite race class mis mitch bleh, mismatch to have played or drawn up? 
So I, we were actually talking about I this character before we started. <laughs> I know I have a favorite of stars, <laughs> <laughs> which is probably the one I'm going to talk about. Probably. Um, I actually have I have a gnome barbarian. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, she is one of my absolute favorites. Uh, her name is Ginger Snap. She is a very very old uh, gnome barbarian that has mama bear syndrome. So she'll talk to you all day long. Oh, sweetie, we got the cookies for you. We're going to get you all bundled up. Don't you touch my babies. I will fuck you up. And then that's where the rage comes from. But she is, she's definitely one of my, my favorite mismatch of what it, what did we do? <laughs> I also have a gnome barbarian, um, but on the opposite end of that spectrum, uh, their name is Slapchop Mernig. They are just the epitome of Napoleon complex. <laughs> I've only gotten to play him once or twice, and it is just the most fun thing to mess with. It is just a delight. I love that. <laughs> I have a half-orc death cleric that I love. It, he is not the big, gruff, muscular, strength-driven, loud or aggressive half-orc he's very like <laughs> sort of sort of like a strange one you know and comes into he like walks by strangers and touches them as he goes by to see if he can assess their their like expiration date and things like that he, he has straight <laughs> black hair he looks like peter Steele from typo negative except with a half-orc face you know a little bit not even really strong orc kind of and just and then really big armor if you can imagine and uh not your typical strong you know physically strong sort of uh stereotype i don't know that i've done any particularly mismatched characters um although i did i, mean, I referenced earlier my halfling that was a rogue she started as a rogue and then took a level in fighter. Um, so that was kind of entertaining, but she did it really for more of a background, like a backstory reason. Um, basically, she, uh, somebody very close to her um, essentially got blown up on a ship, like, like right in front of her. So she was just furious about the whole thing. And then um, because somebody in the town that she spent a lot of time with was a ranger, she took a level of ranger. So not really a mismatch, but she was definitely like a hodgepodge of stuff. <laughs> she was a lot of fun, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know if it, was a, it wasn't a mixed-matched uh, race in a class, but I did play a cleric who refused to wear armor that walked around with a nine-armor class. Made it all the way to level twenty with that character. Um, wow! Yeah, that was uh, that was That's a really impressive. really cool character. Um, you know, he worshipped Ilmeter, so um, you know the god of suffering. So I take the damage, you know, uh, and and made it all the way to level twenty uh, with, without wearing armor once, and uh, that was uh, that was a fun feat. I, uh, I there's three. I've only played one. The other two are just concepts. Um, the one that I played was a um, illithid doctor. Because, yeah, no, everybody loves going to the doctor and just... A... <laughs> so, <laughs> that was super fun. I'm just here to help you. <laughs> super good at brain scans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so that was fun. Um, I would love to play him again. Uh, and then my two uh, concepts that I've always wanted to play was a uh, tiefling monk, but like the, the like the lower half is like that goat kind of horse. So they have a uh, instead of like magical gauntlets or anything like that, they have magical uh, horseshoes. So then they hit you with a kick and it just really wrecks you. Um, I've always wanted to play uh, like that. Um, and then the one that I, I really want to play, if I ever play 5e or, or, you know, anything like that again, is a Goliath Sorcerer. And, I mean, I want this dude to just be like 600 pounds, 2% body fat, just extremely muscular. And he's like, I'm going to kiss the spell. I'm going to, God damn it, I broke another. <laughs> and he's like trying to ruffle, like trying to shove his massive hands into his component bag. And he's like, I got something for this. Give me a second. Like everybody's hitting him and he doesn't even feel it. He's like, give me a second. Oh, that's glorious. That has to happen. <laughs> All right. I need to do a one shot with you for charity just to get this guy on the table. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, we might be doing one for extra life again later this year, so just saying. Let's you get all a, these all these together. All right, we had somebody come in with an ask my question next. Um, so we're going to bump this one up. And uh, I think it's a good one, actually. Um, and I don't think it's something we talk about a ton. So um, the Ink Den has asked, as a DM or GM, how do you have fun? Make sure it's a story that you want to tell as your basis. Make sure it's something that you know that you're going to enjoy. If you don't like running horror stories, don't run horror stories. You're not going to have a good time. Um, so just baseline, make sure that it is a system that you enjoy playing or running. It is a story that you want to tell. And then throw in some NPCs, not self-inserts, but NPCs that you find interesting, that you want to explore, whether it's how they interact with your players or what they're doing in their own little lives that affect the world that the players then explore. Um, I have a spreadsheet for a, a whole town, and I have given names, um, personalities, all sorts of things to this one town that I love playing in and having the players go back to. That's their home base. That is my fun. That is me getting to be a player at the table as well. And I don't think enough people realize that GMs are also players. It is a game. They are also playing, and they should also be having fun. I never really liked the idea of like GM versus player mentality. That's now it should be. You should all be working together to tell a story. Because at the end of the day, that's what you're doing. Yeah, I think I think like um, knowing your characters, being a fan of the characters, um, and and planning arcs for your characters that you know they're going to enjoy, uh, and when they achieve whatever happens at the end of that arc. It's such a cool, like, endorphin rust. Uh, I just Saturday night, I ran uh, the 10th episode of my uh, Star Trek stream. Uh, and I've been building this story for one of the characters all the way through season one. And it finally happened. And the look on his face when I'm watching the screen, that right there made, made all 10 episodes worthwhile. Um, so I think, like, giving your characters something they can sink their teeth into 
um, you know, you you are a co-storyteller with them. Uh, and, you know, I, I think just planning out these arcs for the individuals uh, and watching them explore and, and, and achieve different parts of that arc, I think is really, really rewarding. I want to piggyback on, on that because I also like to set up personal and moral challenges for the characters that they have. They know there's something on the other side of it, but they don't know what it is. But if the trust is there, then they go through that painful growth arc and come out on the other side with something really cool. But they have to, that's be trust because that challenge up front is going to hurt. Yeah. And, and even, and that is even trust in the GM, right? Yeah. Yes. Like, like I think a lot of players come to the table afraid of what a GM is going to do to them and like think, oh, well, they're just trying to kill me. Well, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a computer. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to kill your avatar, right? I'm trying to tell a fun story for all of us. Um, so building that trust with your players is the first step. Yep. I'm going to, I'm going to touch on that too. Um, I am, uh, I'm actually, I've, I've recorded a couple episodes I'm editing and soon we'll be putting out a new podcast and, uh, yeah, I'm going to talk more about that a little later, but, uh, I, one thing I asked when we all got in call, um, I asked everybody if they were comfortable, if they could please have their cameras on. And the reason for that is I, I, when I'm telling these stories, I told them, I was like, I'm gonna hurt you. I'm gonna push you. I'm gonna do all these things. I have, I have the, the, the lines and veils. I've gone over all that. I know, I know everything not to cross, but aside from that, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to make you feel some feels stuff is going to happen, but I want to be able to see your face so that if I'm going, if we're getting into the thick of things and I see you distraught, I want to be able to pull it back. I want to be able to check in on you. So it's just, I, you know, you got to be able to, you know, that's, that's like you were saying, building that level of trust. I want them to know that we're going to be telling a story. We're going to be getting into the nitty gritty, but at the end of the day, you guys are number one priority. Yeah, I. everyone's really hit on the majority of stuff. But I will also say, like, if you want to be a GM, you have to find joy in being defeated. <laughs> um, and that is something that I actually find a lot of joy in, watching my characters overcome my challenges, figure things out. Like, just the joy that comes from that. Until you say things like, I didn't get hit in that combat guess what next time <laughs> next time hyper focus on you um but yeah like creating challenges for them to actually outsmart you saying yes and even though you're like i don't really feel like that would work but you know what it's gonna make them happy it could work it's something i didn't think of let's see it so i know if you play at one of my tables there's there's usually chaos because like i want to do this i'm like Yes, roll for it. I, you know what? Let's outdo the laws of physics. I don't care. Um, but yeah, definitely finding that joy in your players having joy. That mm -hmm. That is a big thing about being a GM. And I know, I'm sure all of us were first-time GMs. And all of us made the first-time GM issues of, this is my story. We're going to go this. This is the direction we're going to go. The minute you let that go and just let your players have it, GMing becomes so much more fun. <laughs> so that would just be my advice is just like, just get used to being defeated and finding joy in that, but make it hard to do. 
Well, on that note, I should be like, but yeah, no, I'm never DMing because I am so freaking competitive sometimes. <laughs> no, I actually, um, I, I can't say I never GM because uh, somebody mentioned it in, in chat earlier. They were like, how was your first time GMing? Which was like a year ago. <laughs> um, but uh, I yeah, I can't add any advice to that because I just don't GM frequently enough to to add anything. But I think everything that you all have said is wonderful. <laughs> uh, all right, let's see. So we have our next question is from, um, let's see. Uh, question for DMs. How often do you find yourself secretly taking pity on the PCs, preventing or mitigating a really bad thing from happening to them despite all the dice rolls? or even their decisions dictating that bad thing happen. And in the end, no one knew you did that even post-game. I guess I will start off by saying the longer we're playing, the less pity I give. But it is because first-level characters are squishy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's like, as we're in the early earlier stuff... Um, Sometimes I will fudge a roll the opposite direction. I roll the 20. No, it was a 15. Like that will happen sometimes. Um, especially if it's like my dice are hot and yours are not. I might wiggle that a little bit. Not too much, but sometimes. But rarely do I take pity unless one, I'm playing with new players who just don't know how the game goes. And I just kind of want to help ease them into it. Because a lot of new players come in with video game syndrome, what I like to call, is they think that everything is going to be handed to them. It's like, this is a different game. You have consequences to things and their move. So generally, new players, more pity. Veteran players, not so much. Level one, sure, a little bit more. Level 10, I can hardly hit you with what we got. So <laughs> nothing more. <laughs> Yeah, I would say almost never. Like, I almost never take pity. And the reason why is uh, because I think I, I'm a big believer of failing forward. Mm. Um, and I think that even if someone gets crit down to nothing, um, it creates a story on the backside of things. Like, you know, uh, do you have to, you know, transport that character someplace safe to, to you know, to mend them up and, and, and things like that? Um, you know, I, I, I hate I hate straight out uh, killing characters i like giving options um like because i think the story is way cooler trying to bring somebody back from the brink of death um you know by by normal means instead of magic um than uh than just letting someone die off um i do think though like there are times when a role needs to be fudged here and there just so that the story like if i know we only have an hour and a half left uh in this game session and we uh, this is a one shot <laughs> and I know that, you know, things are going to go, this is going to add three hours if this roll goes badly. Um, you know, I would fudge a roll that way. Um, but I think, think about characters, even in novels or television shows, the ones that we like are the ones that have gone through hell, right? Mm. Like, and, and then came out better on the other side. So, and, and even if you're sitting with a bunch of gamers, a lot of times when, when you talk, they're talking about their favorite memories of being in a game. It's not when they beat a dragon down in three hits it's when that dragon ate them swallowed them and they had to punch their way out 
Do you know what I mean? Like those type of, I think that, um, I think we're too afraid of injury and death in, in games because I think uh, people don't know or don't trust enough to come out on the other side with really cool stories. So um, that, I, I yeah, I try to not pull any punches, um, but I try to allow for cool storytelling after. This brings up the idea of death as a stake and and the point that it is something that many, many people in the current zeitgeist try to avoid at all costs. And I don't believe in it. <laughs> if the it, it's hard to, to die in most games anyway, if it happens, that's some bad luck or you made some bad decisions. Like the characters have to be allowed to really make mistakes that cost them. Um, and there, but it, it is, it, it does matter how it's handled, but the stake has to be there. Mm. So, you know, and, and I've been in situations, I'm thinking specifically of a campaign where over the course of the campaign, two and a half years, three characters died. Um, two of them were eventually brought back. One of them was replaced. But when the third one died, I tried to fudge the role and the table wouldn't let me because they could tell by my reaction that it didn't go well for them. And one of the players was like, no, no, no. What did you roll? What did you roll? I said, well, <laughs> you're down. You're, you know, you're done for. Um, but it was an awesome, you know, it was an awesome story. And 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 the, the, the PCs dragged the bodies of two of those characters around with them for like a year in game. Oh my and the cleric was just like keeping them preserved every day. <laughs> and they figured out they almost buried them in a druid grove and they decided to keep carrying them around. And eventually they were returned. One became an NPC and one became a like a massive leader of uh, unifying all the barbarian tribes in the, in the land. And so it's worth the risk. I won't take pity, but I won't take glory either. If someone, if it makes sense for me to fudge a roll, and I can think of only two distinct situations, because I have a terrible poker face. If I roll a dice, I'm going to react some sort of way about it. <laughs> um, but I can only think of two instances where if I had, or if I had gone with the roll that was behind the DM screen, it would have not gone well for the story it would have detracted from the fun from the story we were telling i'm not of the mind of babying my players but if it is a moment a critical moment for a character that has gone through a ton of growth a ton of turmoil and it comes down to this dice roll and it would be so sweet to see them have that glory i'm not going to take that from them and again i can only think of two instances in my four years of running games where i have done that because again I have no poker face. My players are going to know how I roll. And I had to bite my tongue bloody during those two instances. <laughs> Be like, you did it. Um, but just, yeah, if it's not going to progress your story in a way that is fun or meaningful, the players having those stakes is great. Having that role sort of amps up those emotions in that moment. But I knew in those moments I was going to have the players succeed anyway, just because that's how the story had to go. I, I was gonna say, did everybody get a chance to answer? But no, I, I was gonna say, y'all pretty much touched on everything. Uh, my only thing is, <clears throat> I had to fudge not dice rolls, but uh, stats 
because and it, it wasn't their fault i it was my first time running a system and i was trying to set up an encounter and i was like oh these I, I was looking at the base stats for my characters and i was looking for the looking at the base stats of the monsters i was like oh this is easy this is fine they'll be able to handle this they got into the fight and just started getting swarmed and i was like sweet caramel baby jesus i did this wrong i did this so wrong so <laughs> <laughs> instead of just like straight deleting the entire party i was like oh yeah these these guys die pretty easy yeah 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 yeah. Oh yeah, fudging monsters is a whole different thing. Oh, that's I do a whole, that yeah. all the time. Yeah. And all honestly, when you're talking about pity, that was my entire like side of mind. It's like that's what I thought we were talking about. I'm like, yeah, monsters. <laughs> no, I go up, I go up and down those things all the time. <laughs> yeah. you, you tailor the monsters to the battle that you're having. If your players are rolling garbage, you can ease off a little bit. Three <laughs> like, characters are down. This guy has a hundred hit points left. Just back yep, it off yep. a little. How would you like to do this? Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I think the only time I've I've really, I, it, it all boils down to you know the the most important thing when it comes to TTRPGs, hands down, and that is your session zero. Find mm -hmm. out who you're playing with, what they want out of the game, all that. If it's a new person and you put them in the gauntlet, that might be the last time they play. That might be it. You know, they're like, oh, no, I didn't I didn't like this at all. If it's a new person or somebody that's really like really gets into their characters and really is super attached to them and wants this one character forever, then, uh, you know, obviously tell them, all right, what do you want? How what kind of game do you want to roll? What kind of game do you want to play? And, you know, that's probably not the game that you're going to put them through the death gauntlet where everybody gets, you know, just sniped out of nowhere. But you know, it again, just talk to your people, talk to your players, see what they want, come up with something together, and then roll from there. Yeah. And as a GM, I think it's part of the thing of like, like we were, they were saying, like, don't shy away from killing characters. Like, mm -hmm. it happens, it's part of the stakes, it needs to be there. Make it feel fair. Like, there were bad roles, there were bad choices, not just something that feels like it was worth it because if someone just like oh i rolled a one i fell off a cliff you're you're, you're dead it's like oh well that sucks like that, that doesn't that doesn't feel fun <laughs> mm -hmm. but if you're like oh we're running from the monster i throw the dwarf the dwarf goes the dwarf misses the cliff the legend goes off the cliff great that's more fun like stuff happened <laughs> then there Poor was choices were made there. yeah Poor choices were made it's not just this anticlimactic well the character you've been playing for the past five levels it's just gone pick a new one like make it fun like I said make consequences make things they can choose from to save them all these kinds of things but yeah just make it feel fair all right well this is probably a good place for us to pause for a break so we're gonna do that um and we will be back in five to ten minutes don't forget we're raising money for doctors without borders exclamation point donate if you would like to contribute or at least check out what the very awesome rewards are um there's everything i went i went on and looked while people were talking um there's rewards that go like as low as five dollars all the way up to five hundred dollars and some of them are super cool like from all kinds of really awesome people around the community so definitely give those a look and um we will be back pretty shortly for my 
screen to kick over and it was like taking its sweet time but we're back from break obviously so anyway hope everybody had a good break um we have a few questions that uh are still left from the first half so let me grab those again and all right let's see um wolfsblood wanted to know gms when the bard of the party i should probably read this question before i ask it but yeah um when the bard of the party attempts to seduce slash intimidate slash rouse whatever do you make them speak words and have that impact the die roll will do it can do can make you uncomfortable too but there needs to be a conversation if you have someone who wants to play a seduction character about where your limits as a gm are as well because your comfort is also important <laughs> i won't require it but i have it on my home games always on the table if you do act out um add that little extra like fun to it if you Go full send on whatever you're trying to do. I will grant an inspiration. Because you deserve it. If you're going to, to really embrace the Riz of the Bard, you deserve a little extra something something. <laughs> I, um, I, I, well, again, going back to, I don't GM very, op very often, but as a player, I'm not somebody who feels like I can think like, I almost never play bards because I feel like I can't think fast enough on my feet to come up with that stuff. But it was funny because one time um, Jason and I were playing at a local game store and there was a, a woman who was fairly new to playing TTRPGs. And um, she came, she was really cute. She would come every week. She'd have a whole notebook, like, with all of her character stats and, and everything. And she was so brilliant because literally one of the pages in her notebook was all vicious mockery insult insults. And I was like, God damn, that's so smart. <laughs> and they, they were good the ones work. too. Like they were really <laughs> good ones. <laughs> so now I'm like, well, maybe someday I'll play a bard, but I need to come up with a sheet worth of uh, vicious mockery insults and stuff like that first. <laughs> Although I did play a bard one time. I'm going to throw this out there. I did play a bard one time, but she thought she was a wizard. Because <laughs> all of her spells crossed the wizard bard spell books. So she thought she was a wizard, but the way that she would grant bardic inspiration to people was she carried a crap load of stuff that she just felt was lucky. So she would have like a rabbit's foot, a penny, a rock that somebody gave her, things like that. And the story, when she would impart to somebody why that item was lucky, that was how she was granting bardic inspiration. <laughs> That might be your counter trope character for our little one shot. <laughs> I've never GM'd for a bard. Oh, wow. Oddly enough. Yeah. And I've only played one once. I don't know if I've ever played one. <laughs> oh, no, I did. And it was when I was DMing and the character, the players needed another, like somebody to kind of heal. 
And I was like, yeah, sure, I can I can DM and play a character. And no, it was it was great up until uh I got downed and the cleric ran over. Uh no, the I'm sorry, the paladin ran over and was like, Oh, I'm gonna lay hands and then rolled a one. And that was it. <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> but I was looking for an excuse to get rid of the character. So he rolled a one and I was like, oh, no, you laid hands. All right. <laughs> you oh, laid no, hands don't. Really I well. wish it was better. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but Luna, that reminds me of uh, of, of a, a character I played. It was he was a Goliath barbarian. I hi, my name is Bees. I really love playing Goliath because they are big, <laughs> big guys and i love them but uh yeah i was playing a goliath barbarian who was abandoned by his tribe and grew up uh with um oh my god who grew up with with shaman so he thought he was a druid so he kept trying to do spells and every time he would try and do spells and they wouldn't work it would send him into a rage <laughs> And so he was a, uh, but the great thing was because of his time there, he was a wild magic barbarian. So every time he would rage, it would trigger something random. So that was so much fun. I think it's, yeah. Also, let's not forget that bards don't just sing, right? They can act, they can, uh, and you know, like there's lots of different ways that bards uh, can present. Um, so, you know, I think that, you know, fifth edition has the, the inspiration mechanic built in for just this reason, right. Um, for people that go above and beyond. Uh, so I would not force a bard to sing at all or, or, or do anything, but if they do, I mean, give them a little extra, you know what I mean? That, that, that reminds me somebody, I forgot who I was talking to, uh, came up with the brilliant idea of having a party of all bards, but all of them specialized in something. Like there was an artist, there was a singer, there was one that that like uh, was was extremely talented with like clay and just like every art form possible. Each bard would embody it, and then you would just go through the campaign like that. And I thought that was beyond amazing. We did something like that one time. We did an oops all clerics, but. Each of our clerics had a different domain, and um, one of the clerics that I played with, um, she, I can't remember what the domain was, but uh, she worshipped the god uh, Mikhail Jackson, and so she did everything as, like, a musical battle, like, with lyrics to songs. <laughs> it was Every pretty- single magic word was shaman. <laughs> Power word Shaman. She Power got into word a Shaman. dance battle at one point. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I'm hoping that character's name was Billy Jean. <laughs> I can't remember what the character's name was. I just remember that she worshipped Mikhail Jackson. Yeah, I think just one thing that's important to remember in these things is a lot of people play a character that's not like them. So it's like, don't expect your player who's playing a wizard to be super, super smart. Don't expect all your bards to be super charismatic. So don't punish them for not being that way as a person. Mm -hmm. Um, And be like, oh, this person is great with talking, so they're always going to get extra stuff because they're great at it, and this person's not, so they're never going to. So just keep that in mind, too, as a GM of, like, don't punish people for not actually being their character. So that brings a question up um, 
because it made me think of like what I, how I am as a player. When you are playing characters, if you ever get the chance to play characters, do you tend to avoid um, characters or types of characters that have certain features like have a really high charisma or have a really high intelligence or something like that? Um, or thinking of like uh, cypher games, like a speaker type character, um, because you don't feel confident doing that, or do you kind of lean into it when you are playing them because you're like, I know this is something that I'm not good at, but I want to play a character who is. I struggle with that 100%. Because, yeah, I, I was like, hey, I want to play this, like, ridiculously, unnaturally brilliant uh, sorcerer or wizard. Um, but I, I, I don't, I don't want to mess up something simple while we're playing and then just look like an idiot. So yeah, I, I struggle with that a lot. I'm so glad I, it's not just me. <laughs> I perpetually have charisma as my dump stat for that reason. Uh, cause it's some, I, I would struggle being like a haughty or a like outgoing, loud character, but I'm trying to change that going to the new year. That was one of my resolutions. Let's play characters that are not my comfort type but let's let's push those boundaries see how it feels and have fun with it and then that's also when i remind people that also remember intimidation is also a charisma stat you don't right. have to be a smooth talker you can be an intimidating son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> that also works yeah i guess i've never looked at it that way I, like i always design like come up with the character concept first like i think about like a book or a movie or characters that I've enjoyed that I would like to try to see or try to role play something similar to. And then I figure out what all that looks like first. And I'm like, Oh, well, yeah, I guess this fits for uh, you know, a, a sorcerer, like that kind of makes sense, I guess. Um, so that that's kind of the way I roll with it. So um, I have played, I think every stat as a high stat at some point in the last 30 years, um, just because, you know, when you're making characters nonstop, you end up trying everything out, I think. I don't think I've consciously avoided any, anything, but subconsciously, it's entirely possible. Um, in thinking about my character stable, it's pretty diverse, pretty broad. Um, so, so no, I, I just, I wouldn't say consciously I've avoided it. I'm not a musician. I wish I was a musician. But I would still do the sort of Sam Regal version of Bardism. <laughs> sort of change the lyrics to well-known actual songs. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, for, for me, I have never... I will say this. Me as a GM versus me as a player are very different capabilities for some reason. When I am a GM, I can embody anything. And I don't know why I can't transfer that over to being a player character. <laughs> um, it's because you'd but, be accountable for session after session after I session. Guess, I think that's what it is, is like maintaining. Um, when we were actually in the break, I was talking with a few people about how I am the epitome of that meme of Cree, of like the goth girl versus the rainbow haired girl of <laughs> I, this is how I make my character and this is how I play them. I always shift into the like people pleaser mommy character like taking care of everybody that's what i always go into but when it comes to like stats i can fine with any of that i cannot for the life of me be the face i cannot do that i always am that person that sits back and lets other people do their stuff and i'll pop in when i have a moment 
but I can't be a face in my Kingmaker game. My party is making my character the face, and I am struggling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sort of hinted at it when Bees was talking, but I really struggle with characters that are like face type characters that are like the speaker for the group or have a really high intelligence. I'm I'm more comfortable with a higher wisdom um because I feel like that suits me as a person. Um so I will generally avoid characters that have a higher intelligence cuz I'm like my character's really smart, but I am not smart enough to figure some of this stuff out and <laughs> so I tend to steer away from anything that, you know, requires me to be the the forefront, the person who has to interact with you know the shopkeeper all the time or the you know whatever i i struggle with that so badly and i know it's something that like if i did it i'd probably be fine but <laughs> i just so, haven't so given would, myself the grace to do it <laughs> you wouldn't want to be the captain in a, in a star trek game no no you said that, and I felt like chills. Like I don't, I can't, I can never yeah. live up to Picard. Are you yeah. kidding me? I, I, bet you, I, bet you, I bet every one of you would be phenomenal, Captain. Oh, I can't guarantee anyone's safety, but I would love to try. I was like, I bet bees would be a really good one. <laughs> I would have probably been a really good one. I will say I would the do last, it. the last two games that I have ever played that took place in space. One of them ended up with a uh, a base getting blown up by pencil. No tree-sized pencils and um the other one we narrowly escaped off the ship surviving <laughs> so <laughs> oh ty i think you were part of that one <laughs> yeah that was a fun one we had a countdown timer and everything yeah that was good that was a good that's, one yeah. that's a great game what that's mothership. mothership that's a great game yeah. yeah if you haven't played mothership definitely recommend it there's an app for it and everything now you can have your character sheet right on wow. your phone it's great I think the last time I played a game in space, I was a uh, senile potion-making turtle, and I I ended up uh, blowing up half the ship. I created a sentient pile of hairy meat that attacked people, and I uh, ended up encasing myself and the BBEG in like a crystalline solution and like screwed up the entire final battle. So sorry, Ty. <laughs> was that a goddamn it I'm so proud of you situation? <laughs> <laughs> no. That was that was that was Tyson uh uh from R of Chaos and Aether and Steamworks just kind of looking at me and like rethinking all his life decisions up until that point. And me just going. Oops. You knew what this was. You knew what this was. <laughs> I'll have you know that the uh, the tree-sized pencils was also an Aether and Steamworks game. <laughs> so many systems. So many games. Uh that is a dedic that is something I want to do in 2024 is learn more systems. Mm-hmm. Play them? I don't know. Learn them? Yes. <laughs> I know. We joke in our house quite often about the number of systems that we own that we have yet to read. 
Yeah, I got. I got to try my first one on Saturday. I know. Oh, Gods of Appalachia. That was a. Yeah, Jason ran that one yesterday. Jason ran it. It was very good. Very. I think I'm going to be playing that adventure later this week. So. It's 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 a cool system. Yeah, it is. Cipher's a neat system in general. I that's one that might one of my goals this year is to get better at at playing Cipher. Like for the most part, I understand it, but there's a few things that I struggle with still, like the edge and effort piece. So, um, yeah. But otherwise, it's a really cool system. And if you like horror, Old Gods of Appalachia is like 1930s style Appalachia. Like full started as a podcast. The podcast is yes. excellent. Yeah, yeah, the series, the the system is based on that podcast. Mm-hmm. I have it. I just need to actually read it. It's on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The TTRPG motto. I have it. It's on the shelf. I haven't read it yet. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much. I know I'm looking at our shelf right now and I'm like, oh, yeah, there's Inspirals and there's, you know. Oh, Inspirals. Yeah, that's such a good one. so bad. <laughs> yeah. Actually, so fun story about Inspirals. Um, at PAX Unplugged in 2022. Yeah, I got to get my years right. Um, and then again at PAX East in 2022. Three, yeah. Uh, there was panels about Inspirals at both of them, and one of the women, again with the small TTRPG world, one of the women that was on the panel who um, had been teaching TTRPGs in her schools was the D and D group instructor for my niece <laughs> at her school. So yeah, that was pretty fun to take a selfie with her and send it to my sister to be like, show, show uh, Haley this and. Haley was all excited. She was like nine at the time, so it was still cool. <laughs> Talking about uh, Appalachian stuff, that reminded me of the only drama uh, one shot. I well, the only drama like piece I've ever done, and that was uh, the Price of Coal about the. Uh, labor rights of uh the battle of blair mountain yeah that was god i love that game that was my first like paid game that i was paid to be in and oh (laughs) let me tell you we did not we ended that and there wasn't a single dry eye at that table and i loved it loved it so much All right, let's see. Um, Jump back over to our questions. I was definitely not responding to something in our group chat. Um, (laughs) All right, let's see. Uh, Bat Duck had another question. Who was your favorite unlikely popular NPC? Summaries only. (laughs) I had a flower seller at a fair. In a, and not a one shot. It was like the second session of an ongoing campaign. The group took to her like so hard. And she's like, oh, yeah, I want to be an alchemist. But, you know, we don't have the money because I'm just the flower seller. They gave her 200 gold, said, go learn alchemy. <laughs> and now she's my player character for the Curse of Strahd game. <laughs> But like every the Curse of Strad game is like a little bit. It's a couple months after where the home game group is, 
So every once in a while, they're like, can we go check on Callie and see how she's doing? I'm like, yeah, because this is before all the trauma of going to Barovia. She's fine. <laughs> she's great. She's learning. It's wonderful. Did you say it was an NPC? Yes. An unlikely um, popular NPC. So I actually put a... I put in a character that I purposefully made irritating so they would dump them to the side. Don't do that because then they stick around. <laughs> um, essentially what this was, was his name was a long string of numbers and letters, aka Chaz. Um, he was a Modron that had gotten captured by a hag, so he was more powerful than normal. And for anybody who knows, I based him off of Claptrap from Borderlands. <laughs> Yeah, he stuck around for longer than I thought. <laughs> I don't have one that I can think of out of one of my campaigns that comes to mind, but a friend of mine was just telling me about an NPC that he embedded in the group that was sent to throw them off and undermine what they were doing. And they loved this NPC so much that they adopted him. Uh, adopted them, I don't know exactly what the details are of the character but um and he's like mentioning to me what am i going to do with this character they weren't supposed to stick around they were supposed to do this and leave and i'm like well you, you can't let everybody down now you, you know you just have to let them have their pet um scorpion i guess so in my play-by-post Star Trek Adventures game that I play in, um, my game master is Michael Dismuke. He's another writer for the for the role-playing game. Um, and he created a character similar to the character Q, if you're all familiar with that. Yeah. Um, but this character's name was A. Uh, and A was a character, a concept entity that only spoke truth. So everything that this character said was the truth about something. Um, and introduced it to our, our, our players and our ship. Um, and it was a really cool story because the, it, it kind of shows the, the power of truth and how dangerous it can be. Uh, because basically we were having like a diplomatic thing, two different factions on the ship. And then this character shows up and starts speaking truth to both the factions. And now they want to go to war with each other. It was just like a very fascinating story um, about the power of truth and, 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 and uh, you know, how, how, you know, sometimes it's best to keep the truth hidden um, because it might save lives. Um, it was, yeah. And that character came back a couple of different times. And while everybody hated it at first, by the end, uh, you know, everybody's talking about it and loves it. So. Um, so this was not my personal favorite NPC. I don't really, I don't really have one, but this was one that was really popular with the rest of the party and it was a streamed game. So, uh, so it, the whole audience loved this character also it was a goblin. His name was Squee and, uh, the chat would often talk about like, you know, it, they just, for some reason, chat just latched onto this guy and um you know again it was one of those like was supposed to be a throwaway character and that sort of thing um yep they're putting it in chat right now squee for prez that was a whole thing 
Um, my party, uh, like, Squee ended up getting uh, basically kicked out of his clan, and my party found him a job in the city, and, like, you know, basically he was like a reformed goblin. It it was really funny, so... Um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was very interesting. I think chat loved him, um, more than, I, I know chat loved him more than my character did. <laughs> As a GM, number one rule for your, for any NPC, expect your players to fight them and expect your, compare, your players to attach to them because something's going to happen. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I had an NPC. I, I brought an NPC into a Morkboard game, and it was uh, was what was the? Uh, they, they have a series of of NPCs in the rules, and I loved this one. I can't remember what it was called, um, but it, it was just a, this pathetic little character. But they were just convinced it was a demon out to deceive them, and the first thing they did was try to murder it. You want to talk about fudging a dice roll? I. The strike was so heavy, it should have killed this NPC. I didn't let it happen because I didn't want the NPC to go away. I was attached to the NPC. I wanted it at least to be in the game long enough to annoy the players like I knew it would. It, and it started off apparently annoying them right away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, I wrote uh, an adventure for a convention years ago for 5th edition called Contact. It's the Behold the Core War. And uh, I introduced a spectator, um, you know, a little beholder with only four eye stalks. And, you know, one of his eye stalks has been lopped off. Another one is like dragging behind him on the floor as he's trying to float around. Uh, and that actually created like multiple rifts in different groups. Like some people wanted to kill it. Some people wanted to keep it, you know. And in the end, he helps them out and whatnot. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was always interesting to see is which direction are the groups going to go because i probably ran this mission you know two dozen times across multiple conventions and whatnot um and seeing everyone's reaction to that character was always fun a hundred percent different groups will react in different ways to npcs i run um the one ring system at conventions and i always do a shire adventure and there is an orc it's a weak one it's been living in caves for like decades uh, most groups will kill it some groups will chase it off. One group, and I was not prepared. Can we keep him? <laughs> Please pause for intermission. It was, it was like, okay, was not prepared for that because no one keeps the orc. Your hobbits, you don't, you don't know what orcs are. But they're like, oh, he's so small, he's so weak. Let's let's feed him. Let's like, we're gonna rehabilitate the orc. Okay. Okay. Can we Can keep him? I mean. You can. <laughs> Do you want to? <laughs> Run DMG in chat just said friendly little orc boy. <laughs> uh, and like I made it, it's you're going to feed it and it's like been alone for a while. Yeah, of course it's going to latch onto you and like be somewhat friendly. Oh my gosh. I was just, of all the things, players will always surprise you in the most wonderful <laughs> bonkers ways. Yeah. Jason said in chat, oh yeah, all the deep backstory NPCs, my players don't care, but Cobby the Kobold, yeah, they love him. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Rosie, that reminds Oh, sorry. Rosie, was that the starter set that you were running? Yes. So how 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 was the reaction to that? Because I, I, I own it. I've flipped through it. I'm like, I don't know if people want to play Hobbits. Like, I wonder if that like... 
how do people feel about it when you um, run it? People leaned into it really well. Um, okay. I've run the third adventure, Most Excellent Fireworks. Um, I've run it close to a dozen times now, and everyone leans into it very, very well. Um, you do have the pre-generated character, so you get to play, like, Frodo's mom and dad, and, like, Mary's mom and Pippin's dad, and, like, characters that have familiar enough, like, basis that the players will be like, oh, yeah, I know the last name Bracegirdle or Baggins or um, Took. There's a couple yep. Tooks in there. Um, and I find it's a very easy way to lean into the mechanics because if you go, like, really hard on the mechanics in, like, a full setting for that game, there's a lot. Yeah. Uh, I've run an yeah. All Elves, a uh, Rivendell adventure with it, and there's a lot more that goes into that than just, like, here is Esmeralda Took. Go have Shire adventures. <laughs> Cool. It's a very easy thing to run at conventions, too, because it is mm -hmm. like 15 minutes of learning rather than an hour of teaching all the mechanics. But it is a good system. I like Thanks. it. Mm -hmm. Of course. I didn't I didn't have a, a crazy, you know, uh, off the wall NPC or adorable little goblin boy. But uh, for my podcast, uh, I funny story, I was extremely nervous and f like my brain went blank. And one of my players, as part of his backstory, uh, included a vendor that was always outside of his apartment complex. Well, when it was time to introduce the vendor, I completely forgot their name and everything about them. So I uh, just made one up off the spot and had, uh, had the players name this person. And once I went back and listened to it, I was like, oh, God, I completely forgot about that. And just in canon, since everybody loved it and one of my players threatened to murder me, if anything would ever happen to this being, um, I decided to just make him the uh, original uh, the original uh, cart owner's uh, husband. And they just worked the cart together. And everybody loved him. His name is Alvin Alvins. And he's just this... <laughs> He's just this old, like, 60-year-old buff dude, and uh, he's just the sweetest guy. He's like, oh, it's great to see you again. So happy to have you here. It's all right. I know I look kind of, I know I'm, you know what, I'm getting up there in age, but I still got the legs of a 34-year-old. Look at that. Boom. Look at that. Boom. <laughs> so <laughs> I enjoy playing him, and they were like, I love this man. Nothing will ever happen to him. We will die for him. Oh, I love that so much. Oh, all right. Um, did anybody else have anything Mike, they wanted to? Yeah, they just. I just had to read that from Jeff. It just makes me. It makes me think of the, um, not the NPC, but the clue that you give to the party that they completely ignore and carry around for thirty-four sessions before they bother to look at it, and then <laughs> oh wonder God. why they never could make that connection back, back mm -hmm. in the day. <laughs> or they, they lean in too hard it. to an item. Oh yeah, like they don't even remember it. They're like emptying their bag out, and they're like, oh. Wait, what is this? And they look at it, and they're like, "I hear about this with Jason's Monday Night Group all the time." He's like, "I gave them literally the thing they needed like weeks ago." Usually, somebody takes it and they put it away, and they don't tell the other characters. Yeah, and then it gets forgotten, and then you remind them when it's too late. Fifty sessions later, yeah. Uh, well, this is a good lead into the next question, which uh, comes from Run DMG, and uh, Ryan wants to know what was one magic item that you gave your players that you instantly regretted. <laughs> I 
I see people thinking, so I'm going to go with one that I didn't regret, but I didn't think it would do what it was, what it ended up doing. Um, I'll try to summarize this very briefly. It was a plus two cursed magic sword that the Paladin of Justice picked up and couldn't get rid of. Um, he picked it up off of a white that he had killed to get it from. And between levels, I want to say maybe level seven and 11 or so, it slowly started killing his character and turning it into a white. It changed his alignment. He became an Oathbreaker. This was all organic. And the he was literally down to, I want to say it was single digit, but it was low double digits at best hit points, sitting on a cliff in a rainstorm outside a lighthouse, <laughs> just ready to die before the party finally intervened and were able to at some harm to themselves, separate him from the sword, cast it into the sea, and then he slowly built back to a paladin of peace or whatever the opposite is of justice. And then he became a king of his um, of the of the elves. He was a half elf, and there's a whole backstory there as well. But it was a phenomenal effect on a whim item that I threw into the story, not knowing who was going to pick it up or what would happen with it. Best character arc I've ever seen in any of my games. I think for I mean, me, I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead you, no, sorry, no, you go, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going um, to be controversial. I'm going to be controversial. Okay. Because um, I will say any plus one weapon or plus anything weapon in fifth edition. And I will say that because I think it severely unbalances encounters um, because armor class doesn't scale as quickly as magical items do in the game. Um, and... Uh, also, that just a single plus one magical weapon overcomes resistance in the game. Um, so you are building these stuffs, these these abilities into monsters using, you know, um, creating a CR and whatnot. And um, it's just very easily surmounted by a level two character um, or, you know, two to four, two to five character, let's say. Um, so I, I think that... that um, I would rather give fun, cool, ridiculous items than that would enhance the story than magical weapons that unbalance combat, personally. Yeah, I think for, for me it was my players were not enjoying travel as much as they could have. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, I have this thing. Um, I purchased some things called Mobius cards. There's some D, D magic cards that are magic items that you can throw in the game they're literally just cards that you throw down and something happens and i gave them one that was the horseless carriage so essentially what this thing does is you throw it on the ground you tell you where it want tell you eh, tell it where you want to go and it will just go and it will get to that point and then it disappears but if it runs into any sort of thing that it can't get past as a normal carriage it will also disappear i didn't realize at the time how much that was going to affect the game because <laughs> it's one of those like you think like oh it's just going to make travel easier no there's no more travel encounters there's no more like hazard to travel they have food inside this thing um so while it's great because my players more enjoy getting to the place and doing the thing there's just that moment of okay well now if i want something to happen on the road 
I have to have something powerful enough to destroy this carriage and make it disappear. So I regret that one a little bit. <laughs> it's not an item I gave my characters or my players per se. It's an item that they said, hey, can we take this with us? And I said, yeah, sure. Um, it was within a wizard's tower with a wizard they were friendly with, a talking unicorn head, like a taxidermy, taxidermy unicorn head. The unicorn head acted as like the housekeeper for the wizard's tower. They're like, hey, this thing's never been to a festival. Let's take it along to the festival so we can like experience that. Okay, sure. Because no one's going to question you like holding a unicorn head like a football under your arm as you walk through this fair. Uh, no one did. None of the NPCs like, oh yeah, that's Shinebright's friend, Reginald, the unicorn. And they did like a whole montage of like getting drinks with this thing, getting snacks with this thing, spending entirely too much time weekend at Bernie with this thing. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, this thing is magically attached to the tower. After about 12 hours, it stops talking because it's run out of juice. Like it's run out of battery. Um, you should probably take it home soon. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, we're still gonna, we're gonna keep going. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Okay, cool. Please bring it back to Wizard Shrine. Right? No, we're not gonna. This thing is going on. Our travel's with us now. We're never going back to that wizard's tower. We're taking Reginald with us. <laughs> I like the batteries running out thing. It makes me think, uh, Star, your carriage should have been the wheelless carriage after a while. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just at least temporarily. Just temporarily. It all, you can only use it once a day, but it goes <laughs> as long as it has to go, which is one of those I looked at as like, I should have put a time limit on how far this thing could go. Yeah, how far could a normal horse travel in a day? Mm. Yep. Right. I got nothing. Did you, uh, did you have something you wanted to add, Beast? No, no, I got nothing. I, no, I haven't. I don't think I've ever given anyone an item that like wasn't part of the story and definitely haven't had it like blow up in my face or go crazy. So I can't you, contribute. You're the one who usually causes that to happen. Yep. <laughs> and I, and I take this on a brief tangent quickly though. These just made me think of something when like um, uh, random encounters, I, I pre-roll random encounters and then I try to figure out a way that they work into the plot and make everything somehow become a plot um, including the the darn plus two cursed sword <laughs> that i wasn't like <laughs> um just some way that that then it keeps thoughts the main plot going maybe with some tangential things but it's not just completely out of the blue and doesn't seem to fit because that's too easy to do and it's also too hard to make things you know it's a little harder to make things up on the mo in the moment when it's like oh you have this random encounter with the werebore if you can have time to think about it make the werebore an npc in the plot line that they're going to run into down the line it's a lot more interesting yeah i i, I wholeheartedly support that 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 is I don't believe in random account encounters. I think every encounter should serve a purpose. Um, and, because if you're going to have a combat, um, that combat should be moving the narrative forward. Um, because otherwise you could be having character interactions that are moving, you know, the, the, the like, I feel like when you stop to camp and you're telling stories around a, a campfire, it's every bit as meaningful to a group of uh, characters as having, you know, uh, a random encounter. 
Um, but if you make that random encounter meaningful, I think it's, yeah, I think that really enhances a campaign. All right. Well, this is probably a good place for us to, uh, to call it for the night because we got to make sure everybody gets a chance to tell us about again who they are and where we can find you all around on social media and all that good stuff so we're going to go in the reverse order of when we started so ty we're going to start with you this time oh all sorry right. i'm sorry rosie we're going to start with you this time i, was looking I at thought the i was screen. in the clear i was gonna say <laughs> no you're, you're off the hook sorry <laughs> i was looking at the wrong screen so uh, hi, I'm Rosie, sweet Rosie B. Just about everyone on the internet, I am a professional game runner, TTRPG performer, showrunner, producer, OC artist, wearer of many hats, love them all. Um, you can find me everywhere as Sweet Rosie B, on Tumblr as the Sweet Rosie B, and now on SweetRosieB.com, where I have a gallery of my current uh, portfolio of OC art available and commissions open. It just went live yesterday. There are still many, many slots available. Go check that out if that's something you're interested in. Um, coming up next month, I will be in a Vampire the Masquerade campaign playing a Toreador. Uh, that's all the details I can let loose right now. I'm very excited for it. Uh, there will be more stuff on Twitter this week, I believe. So keep an eye out for that. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming and hanging out. Um, Rosie and I are going to be hanging out at PAX East, hopefully doing another panel together. Cross your fingers. Um, and uh, But otherwise, you know, let us know if you're going to be there because we have plans to meet up. So you're welcome to join us. Uh, Star. <laughs> uh, I am Star Shinobi. You can find me at Star Shinobi on Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky right now. Who knows what else we're going to move to as things shift and change um i am a charity dm i am an actual play cast member on outcast and outclassed which is based in a it's a pathfinder 2e based in a magical college which is kind of fun uh we're moving a little away from the college stuff and in more of the adventure stuff um i'm also a creator of DD supplements which i'm working on some with stay on your couch if you've seen them on twitter um and a maker of magic items which are what i like to say is useful to pseudo useful um they're really just chaos goblins that have not been play tested at all. So if you ever want to take a look at those, um, but if you are interested in Ona, we're playing this Thursday because we were off last week, uh, and we'll also be playing next week. But otherwise, we're every other Thursday on Waffles Maple Syrups Twitch channel. Awesome, Star. Thank you for coming on and hanging out. It was always a pleasure. Thank, uh, thank you for having me again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are we? What are you up to now? Like uh, sixteen? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Star's been doing this for a while. Um, all right, Ty, this time for real, you get to go. <laughs> I'll give it a try. I am a former uh, freelance writer and editor in the TTRPG uh, arena, having moved to my own company, Adventure Slaying Productions. We are in the production, the final stages of our production for our uh, Fortunes D4 based New Varden uh, Earth Punk fantasy game. And um, I also will be running some uh, actual play stuff later this spring. And um, you can find that schedule as well as our convention appearances, our podcast, and news about the upcoming release of Neo Varden, all at adventuresling.com. Say hello. We have a Discord and all that stuff as well. I'm on Twitter as Dungeon Mr. Ty and uh, also Blue Sky and Adventure Sling is also on Twitter and Blue Sky or X or whatever letter you want to refer to it as. But uh, just AdventureSling.com, you can find it all there. 
Awesome. Ty, thanks so much for coming on and hanging out. Um, definitely check out their podcast too. It's a really, really great interview podcast and um, they talk to all kinds of cool people like, you know, me. No, I'm kidding. Um, although I, you were I, on there, yes. I was on. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. And, and I know you've done some really awesome uh, interviews with other people as well. So thank you. Bees. I almost started talking without unmuting myself. I caught it at the last <laughs> second. What is up, everyone? Uh, thank you for hanging out with us. It is I, your happy, helpful harbinger of hype. Um, I am a speedrunner, pixel artist, a variety streamer. Uh, apparently have the burps too much right now. Um, <laughs> a TTRPG content creator. I do a whole bunch of stuff, voice act, everything. Um, I have a wonderful announcement. You may have heard me mention it a couple times, but uh, me and a couple, a few wonderful beings that have decided to go on this journey with me, we have started recording um, a tale. For those of you that are fans of Digimon, we are creating a podcast called Digiverse, Across the Plains Digiverse. And it is Digimon, but <laughs> more mature. Like, it's not all just the power of friendship. Shit gets real. Um, so, yeah, it is fantastic. I love the cast. I love uh, the story we've told so far. Um, and I am slowly working myself into a panic attack slash seizure from trying to make this editing perfect because it's my first time editing. So, please, please be kind with the first couple episodes because your boy is struggling. Um <laughs> But yes, that will be released on February 1st all across the worlds. So definitely keep an eye open for your uh, on your favorite podcast player because I'm going to spam it everywhere I can. Um, you can follow me on Twitch at big underscore bees, B-E-A-Z, on Blue Sky at Big Bees, or anywhere else at biggest underscore bees. Um I, now, about this Digimon game, I would like to give credit where credit is due. We are using a system that was made specifically for Digimon and for, like, those who have that nostalgia and love for the show and want to tell that. That is by Claire Mulcairin, and you can find more of her stuff. I'm going to hit it in the chat right now. Bam! ClaireMulcairin.itch.io. She does a lot of wonderful stuff. She's uh, She actually has her own uh, Digimon podcast called Binary Break. It is phenomenal. Go listen to it. It is great. And um, she's starting a Patreon called Claire Makes Art to support the, the, the podcast and everything. So Claire is a wonderful being who has just graciously been like, hey, you guys have any questions? I'm here anytime. So we really appreciate that. Um, but yeah. I got that coming out and I'm super excited for it. Also, February, ah, uh, shit. Pay attention to my my Twitter because I don't have the exact date, but uh, I will be speed running a co-op run of uh, Double Dragon 3 because that game is brutal. <laughs> but yes, I will be speed running that on Games Done Quick for the Unapologetically Black and Fast event. And uh, I will also be hosting part of that event too, so... Definitely come hang out, you know, enjoy some good speed runs by fantastic black creators. And yeah, I think that's enough rambling I've done so far. Love your faces and thanks for hanging out. Are, are you sure you got everything, Bees? 
Hold on. Uh, actually, I got this document. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> so, starting in 1985. No, <laughs> Bees is one of the busiest people I have ever met in this space. So, <laughs> to my own detriment. <laughs> and we love you just the same. <laughs> Bees, thanks for coming and hanging out tonight. I am very glad that you did not get called away and um, you were able to join us. So that was that was very nice. Thank you. Yeah, they tried, but it was all BS calls. So I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And uh, last but definitely not least, Al. <laughs> uh, how's it going? Uh, uh, Al Spader. Um, I'm a freelance writer. I write for Star Trek Adventures, the role-playing game, uh, 2D20 from Modiphius Games. Uh, I also have released the Sentience uh, 2D20 role-playing game, available on Drive Through RPG, uh, and where you take on the role of a of a robot that was left to terraform a planet who has gained sentience before humanity has returned. Uh, so it's all about creating a robot society and preparing for this arrival. Um, so uh, yeah, I am GM underscore Al, uh, or sorry, GM underscore Admiral. Uh, on every social uh and yeah thanks for having me on if any of you uh want to check out star trek adventures or sentience d20 feel free to reach out i'm i'll run i'll run a game for you any night of the week so uh feel free to reach out awesome al thanks so much for coming on and hanging out and um not getting scared away when you saw our group chat earlier today <laughs> i walked away for 40 minutes and there were a hundred messages and almost like everyone we were hyped yeah. yeah almost everyone was a gif yeah we were we were a little hyped about tonight so That's how i knew we'd be friends yes yes like halfway through that i was sitting there looking back at the messages and i was like shit all right Shouldn't, I know Star, I love to death. Rosie's <laughs> going to be a new friend. Ty's going to be a new friend. Al has already blocked me on every bit of social media <laughs> out there. <laughs> Uh, all right well thank you all for coming on and hanging out tonight i really appreciate it um this was a really good conversation and um you know i'm excited that we all had a chance to get together i am gamer mom luna this has been tales from the tavern you can find us here the first sunday of every month um and and i did the math we actually will be here the first sunday of every month even if i go like to pax unplugged again in december because of when it falls so yeah, uh, so that's pretty here. exciting we are um currently looking for additional guests so if you are interested uh i do have um a link to uh i don't want to say a sign up but there's a link that you can fill out a form um that will get me all your details and and uh, i'm starting very slowly to work my way through that so um, that is uh, somewhere on my Twitter um, and other social media and also in my Discord. So uh, you can find find it there um, or you can just reach out to me and we'll figure something out. Um, let's see. We have a casting call out for uh, it's going to be called The Hive, uh, which is a Monster of the Week podcast that will be coming up uh, with me. Uh, it will be run by Atomic Zero, who is uh, who's awesome um and uh wolf's blood will be joining us for that one as well so um even if you're not interested in playing and you want to check out a monster of the week podcast stay tuned we'll let you know more about when that's going to release um you know give us give us a little bit to get it up and running but um outside of that you can find me i'll be uh going to pax east at the end of march so if you're going to be going and you want a chance to connect let me know feel free to reach out on social media email gmail um 
gamermomluna at gmail.com. Uh, otherwise, we'll be back here again uh, the first weekend of February with uh, another group of guests where, we're answer where we will answer all your questions from chat. So we're going to, um, let's see, we are going to go raid. Uh, Geek Girl Lissa is currently playing some Destiny 2. Uh, however, she is also part of the fundraiser for um, the uh, Doctors Without Borders. So I would love to uh, share the love with her and we will catch you all next month. Have a great night, everybody. I should go.